Good morning. Happy Friday, pile. Jim along with Cake. Morning. From the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Thanks for joining us on our Apache Friday. We celebrate the start of the weekend. Divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We'll talk more about that and around the NFL at 8 o'clock this morning. Latest on the Broncos coaching search as well. Broncos brass out in the Bay Area with D'Amico Ryans yesterday, Dan Quinn today. And if Cody Rourke, our good friend from uh, Mile High Sports Radio is correct, he thinks we're going to find out Monday. Well, the press conference on Tuesday of who the next Broncos coach will be. Which would seem a little fast, but also we forget that they've started this process since like week 16. So yeah, they've, they've been considering their options. The interview process has been going on in earnest this week. And so, yeah, it's, I don't think it's going to be some snap decision on the part of Greg Penner and Rob Walton and, and George Payton of who the next coach will be. And all reports are that regardless who ends up getting hired, because there was some talk that if it was Sean Payton, that he might want Ryan Pace to be his GM. But according to reports, that it's going to be George Payton regardless if it's Sean Payton or or whoever gets hired, that uh, Payton will have at least one more season to get things figured out. Right. After he got off to a really good start, his drafting has been great. It's the coaching search that went a little uh, the last time around that went a little haywire. Yeah, and then the questions about Russ and trading for Russ and the picks they gave up and the year Russ had, and I still think that's all going to work out ultimately. But those are things that people in Broncos country are going to criticize. They're going to criticize George Payton because, you know, so worst season in the career of Russell Wilson and his coaching hire gets fired after 15 games. It's not a good look. Not a good look. It's not good at all. So I'm still. Well, well, hopefully, at least according to Cody, his gut feeling is we're going to find out Monday. And and if we are going to find out Monday, I I believe that would be the sign more than anything that it would be Sean Payton. I'm still not sold on Sean Payton, if I'm being honest. I think there's just too much baggage. Number one, and I don't know if there's been any, because you talked about how there was reports about he wanted Ryan Pace to be the GM and how that's been kind of debunked. We still don't know what the situation is with Vic Fangio. That will still create, in my mind, create some problems. I believe Vic interviewed the other day, I want to say Carolina, for their defensive coordinator job. Okay. So, I mean, but Vic has been mentioned as as a guy that Sean Payton would like to have on his staff. And he can have him on his staff, just not on the Broncos. Right. Fangio reportedly is the uh, Panthers' leading candidate for defensive coordinator if they hire a, a young head coach that they want a veteran leadership right. experience of a guy like Vic Fangio. 
Vic also interviewed for the Falcons defensive coordinator position. So, you know, after a year away from football, he's obviously drawing a lot of attention. Back in the saddle again. You know, and could there be some reteaming at some point with with Ed Donatel, who got fired by the Vikings? So, remember those two were together in Denver. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens with it, but yeah, there was there was the reports early on that the Sean Payton kind of had his guys his staff that he was already assembling and the Vic Fangio was going to be his DC. And now it doesn't seem like that's as much of a likelihood. So that could mean that Ajiro Vero could very well stay in Denver. Right. I mean, he's getting interviews, interviewed with the Broncos, Texans, Colts. But I think there's also the reluc- a little bit of the reluctance in hiring a guy that's never been a head coach. He's only been a DC one, one season. And so I think that that certainly works against a Giro Vero, who I think ultimately is probably going to end up being a head coach in this league someday. Yeah. At some point, but that may not be 2023 and could be to the benefit of Denver that he ends up staying with the Broncos, but they'll uh, talk with Dan Quinn today. Kind of worked out nicely where they talked to Miko Ryan yesterday, Niners defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, Cowboys defensive coordinator. Those two play on Sunday. So you got uh, two birds, one stone. As the old go. saying goes, for uh, Greg Pinner and George uh, Payton, and I'm assuming Rob Walton went with them on the trip to the Bay Area as well. So, got some thoughts, Broncos coaching search as we get closer to maybe a, a decision on this. You know, I, I just like I said, I it, it's got to be a guy that's coached before, though. And and, and I and because you look, we talked about it yesterday the, the the people they've talked to, as opposed to the last time around, which was full of you know Kevin O'Connell, which that worked out for them. Maybe would have worked out better for Denver. But a lot of guys that were coordinators and never been head coaches, a lot of young guys. Yeah. This time, the Jim Caldwells, the Raheem Morrises, the Sean Paytons, Dan the Dan Quinn's, Quinn's yeah. guys that have been there and done that. And you can tell that's clearly the direction the Broncos feel they should go and they need to go. And, and I've definitely warmed up to Dan Quinn to the point where I think he would be my number one choice. And And I know that it's there's still always going to be that stench of 28 to three and the Falcons losing to the Patriots in Super Bowl 51. That again, as we've talked about, seemed to be more kind of more on the fault of Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan and the overall just way that that game played out. Didn't seem like there was, it was entirely on Dan Quinn but that's still going to be something that he's carried around with him. But he, at least he's been to a Super Bowl as a head coach. And and I don't know if it was this program or if it was another program that I, that I was listening to that said something to the, to the degree of every time the Broncos have – actually, I, now that I think about it, I think it was Rio that brought up this point the other day. Every time the Broncos have dipped into the well of a retread or a – coach that had experience as a head coach elsewhere and brought them in there's been success Mike Shanahan was the Raiders head coach and the 49ers offensive coordinator that guided Steve Young brought him into Denver a few years later they win the Super Bowl uh John Fox had a Super Bowl appearance in Carolina came back had another one in Denver that didn't go great didn't go great in Super Bowl 48 it was there they got to the Super Bowl Gary Kubiak had some moderate success in Houston. He got them to the playoffs for the first time in their 
franchise's history. And he came in in 2015, won the Super Bowl, went 9-7 and seven the next year, and then bounced. So it's, you know, it's worked in the times that they've gone to that. I know it's it's a little pejorative to say retread, but it is what it is. If you have a coach that's been a head coach before, you're retreading them, and every time it's happened, it's it's had success for Denver. Uh, going back to Josh McDaniels, where won the first six games, beat his mentor, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots, and then the next season gets fired. And then they bring in John Fox. And John Fox, as you mentioned, stability. They, they start to turn in the right direction. They get Peyton Manning and Super Bowl forty eight. Yeah, it didn't, didn't go go well against Seattle and Russ, but well, wait, and then, then twenty fifteen with Gary Kubiak there, they won a Super Bowl. So after after going through three straight first time head coaches, it just and, it's time. and and we still have some of the textures that that are lobbying, for example, a for example, Ajiro Vero. Who I like I like Averro. I think I think he's a really bright young football mind. I, I just think if you're Denver, you can't afford to do that a fourth time in a row. No. You cannot if you're Greg Pinner, you cannot afford to screw this up. Especially and, when you consider how much this team has given up for a supposedly starting caliber all-pro quarterback yeah. which, that wants to win now. Which, for example, for Sean Payton, you have to decide, was that more of a problem with, with Nathaniel Hackett and what they're doing offensively, square peg, round hole, not playing to Russ's strengths, which they eventually did, Jerry Rosberg and... Justin Outen and Clint Kubiak eventually started playing to the, the strengths of what this offense was at the end of the season. That how much of that is 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 Russ damaged goods? Is Russ at the end of his career, or was it just bad scheme fit for a quarterback that still does possess the skills to be a top ten quarterback in this league? And I think that's you know, I'm just reading you know and hearing the comments of Sean Payton about what he would do to fix Russell Wilson. I seem to get the sense that he feels like it was a bad scheme fit for Russell Wilson. Not that Russell Wilson has seen his 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 best days. And it's gonna be look if it is Sean Payton. And we mentioned Vic Fangio that you know there's reports that Vic was gonna be his guy if he gets a job someplace. It's looking less and less like that. And our, our colleague Tom Sheldon over at Moose Legends shot me a text about would would Vic really would Vic want to come to Denver after everything. I think it. I think the. Feeling, I wouldn't. I think if the I feeling. I, if, if I was him, I probably wouldn't. And it looks like he's certainly interviewing for other jobs. So it's not like he's sitting back, waiting to see what Sean Payton does, and where he ends up going. That that Vic's looking for his own gig. So it might be a hey, wouldn't it be kind of cool if you get a job and you know, or hey Vic, if I get a job someplace, would you be interested in being my DC? It may be a very a, been a very informal thing like that, and it would certainly depend on where that's that place is right and denver might be the one where he goes yeah i'm gonna have to pass sean you know i've got history there and and the players i don't think some of them really liked him and some of them did not and and And, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way guys that are still on this roster and that might be a case where that's a non-star like sorry sean i know you want vic and vic's okay with coming back but a lot of our guys aren't fans of him from when he was the head coach here. 
maybe need to go down a different path with this. So, and, and, and well, and just the the mere presence of Vic Fangio is going to create division in the locker room at a time when you cannot yeah. afford to create. I mean, you know, we saw it this year with how out of control things got towards the end of the season, sideline infighting, supposed divisiveness in the locker room, you know, leaks about Russ has lost the team, blah, 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 blah. Hackett's lost the team. You know, they don't, you know, that, that is a, that is a hot potato hand grenade that you don't want to throw in the middle of that locker room by bringing in Vic Fangio when you've already got a kind of tense situation. Yeah, I, I just, and I'm like, I'm not sure, I think Tom's right about that too. I'm, and I think we brought that up before as well in, in talking about it, that I, I'm not sure how keen Vic Fangio is into coming back to Denver. And while he had players, like you said, some guys really liked playing for him. Other guys did not. He... Some guys felt like he was too aloof, was more interested in just guys on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, if you're, you're, you're going to avoid that problem. And, you know, I, I think, and certainly if you're Vic Fangio, <laughs> why do you want to go back? I get different ownership group and everything, but why do you want to go back to the place where they, they fired you just over a year ago? Right. Something else that's going to be interesting, too, with the Sean Payton thing. Mm. The dynamic of, Greg Pinner having the head coach report to him and not to George Payton. What kind of power struggles, what kind of issues could that create? It, it does lend itself to the possibility of, of, of creating some real issues when the GM, which is typically the guy that, the, you know, that most, a lot of coaches report to, or you know, and there's there's a lot of times too that coaches reports directly to the owner, but there's also a lot of cases where the the GM still has a lot of say and a lot of influence and is higher you know higher in the food chain right and chain of command, and this is going to be a case where it's just walk by George Payton's door right into Greg Pinner's door if you're Sean Payton or whoever to complain about George Payton or 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 whatever the case may be I. I I could see where that might create and, some issues going forward. And, and I just think at that point, if you're Rob uh, or if you're Greg Penner, if you're going to, if you're going to pull this move, just rip the bandaid, just fire Peyton. Now I'm not in favor of that necessarily because I, I think happen. I think George Peyton is still a very knowledgeable and good GM but the big mark on his record is going to be the Hackett deal and how much he traded to get Russell Wilson and how much it is so far not paid off. And that's unfortunately the biggest marks and tests of, of criticism of his tenure as the GM. You know, look, he drafted Pat Sertan, who became an all-pro corner in his second year with a top-ten draft pick. That's good. That is That's really good for a GM. And... In the heat of the moment, the excitement for Russell Wilson was great, and you're going, okay, George Payton, the guy knows what he's doing. He's got, you know, he's got the stones. He's got the the skins on the wall to prove that he's good at his job. Considered one of the better scouts, talent evaluators in the league. And then this season happened. Yeah. And I think getting back to the question of is this the end of the line for Russ or was it just a bad scheme fit, 
I think the evidence was as clear as day. Once Hackett was gone and once Outen was calling the plays and once they started to really lean into a new vision and a clear vision with Jerry Rosberg in the last two games, that more than anything you saw, I mean, you saw it clear as day. Russell Wilson threw more touchdowns. He had more completions. The offense was scoring way more than it had all year on average. They were averaging, I think, what, last two games, I think around 28 points per game, where they were the league's worst scoring offense at, what, 14, 15 points a game? Something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's obvious that they, they leaned into the run game. That play, helps. Play action passes and going going vertical. Or the things, what do you know? Leaning into the things that Russell Wilson does best. One of the league's best deep ball throwers. Using his legs in the game against Kansas City. I, I just, you know, I, it's, a, it's just maddening because it's like, what was, I mean, what was Nathaniel Hackett thinking that what he did with Aaron Rodgers is going to be worked the same way with Russell Wilson? It did not. And then the injuries did not help. Second most injured team, what, 26 guys in the IR. Most that, that doesn't that doesn't help. Most cap room on the mm. IR. Yeah, you know and that, it, and that hurts. I mean, it, it does limits what you can do. Quite so, literally hurts. Literally, exactly. All right, so we have a lot to get to this morning. Uh, we're going to talk with uh, Fruta Monma boys basketball coach Jake Hagira. Uh, of course, they had their big win against Palisade the other night. Um, they have their Southwestern League showdown, which will have on the Monkey Tuesday at Montrose. So. Talk to them about that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour this morning. We'll have our football picks as well. And uh, Michael Petrak, former Colorado Mesa, back then Mesa State pitcher, is going to join us. He has written a book and uh, about how he applied his time being a college athlete, how he applied some of those lessons into everyday life. It's a book that's out on Amazon right now. Cool. It's called Legacy, and uh, we're going to talk with him about that at around 9.40 this morning. So it's a busy, busy morning as far as the show goes uh you can text or call us 970-242-1340 kind of wide open today your predictions on the divisional round this weekend who do you like we'll dive more into that coming up at eight o'clock this morning uh one quick reminder by the way uh we had uh, steve Wojtek on yesterday at grand junction high school the athletic director there uh please if you got a, a student athlete male or female grades eight through twelve and you're you're uncertain about the whole recruiting process, whether it's how do I get the word out about my my student athlete, the potential coaches, programs. Also, what are some of the pitfalls, some of the challenges? Well, this is going to be uh, tomorrow over at uh, Grand Junction High School, 5 o'clock in the auditorium over at Grand Junction. College Recruiting 101. And uh, CMU Associate Head Baseball Coach Sean McKinney, who's involved in Maverick Recruiting. And it's, it's not, while well, Sean is a baseball coach, far as dealing with the the NCAA recruiting and those kind of things, it carries over into to pretty much every sport. It's all encompassing. Exactly. So it's it you may think, well he's a baseball guy. Well he's a baseball guy that knows about college recruiting and how it works and the ins and outs pretty much for for every sport when it comes to recruiting. And and you know, because it's it is it's a different sport, but how you approach it from a recruiting standpoint is pretty much the same across the board. And so Sean will be over there. He'll have a presentation. Then he'll do a Q&A. And it's free, by the way. So, And this is for anybody. This isn't just a, a Grand Valley thing. If you're listening today and you know up at uh, 
Hotchkiss or Cedar Edge or or Olathe, Olathe, Delta, Montrose, Uray, that uh, anywhere here on the Western Slope, if you want to attend this with your student athlete, it's a good way to get an idea of what kind of to expect moving forward. So that is tomorrow. It's free at Grand Junction High School, 5 o'clock in the auditorium, College Recruiting 101. So please uh, don't miss out on that if you have a student athlete. And as Steve Wojtek said, and I mean, we're we're seeing colleges looking now getting kids that are in sixth grade, Oof. seventh grade, <laughs> try to get them to commit to programs. It seems a little young. Let's not get ourselves. It just, just seems kind of ridiculous, but that's where that's that's the reality of it. So this is for grades 8 through 12, and that is tomorrow. Once again, it's free. Grand Junction High School Auditorium at 5 o'clock. College Recruiting 101 with a friend of the program, Sean McKinney. And uh, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, Cake over here was not getting recruited in sixth grade to do just about anything, <laughs> athletically or otherwise. Uh, <laughs> with me, it was my parents tried to recruit me to clean my room. <laughs> right. What's it going to take, Jib, to... Clean up that room. What can we how, get you to grab that vacuum? And how can we convince you to mow the lawn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ken, how can we how can we sign you up to push that lawnmower? What there can we go. do? Oh, that's right. Um, Where your feed parents? you and How's let you, you live in our house. How about that? How about the fair trade? Labor for room and board. How about that? There, there we go. There. <laughs> All right, seven twenty-two, and it's time for what's happening. Brought to you by our friends over at ComWest. We have uh, our phone system from ComWest here at the radio station. And if you're looking to upgrade your business phone system, the best place to go is ComWest. Nathan, the folks there do an outstanding job. Also, cybersecurity, whatever challenges you have at your business in terms of surveillance, business phone systems, network support, cybersecurity, call ComWest today and uh, get them on your team. ComWest. 970-242-8142. All right, let's uh, dive into it as far as uh, what's happening. The Broncos continue their head coaching search with their interview yesterday of San Francisco defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, the former Pro Bowl linebacker, guide of the 49ers to the top-scoring defense in the league this season. Ryans will also meet with Houston, Indianapolis, Arizona, and Carolina. Denver CEO Greg Penner and General Manager George Payton are set to meet today with former Atlanta head coach and current Dallas defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. The Broncos brass are in the Bay Area as the Cowboys play at San Francisco in the divisional round on Sunday. Coverage starts tomorrow at 2 o'clock of the divisional weekend on the Team Sports Network. Cut about a football coach Deion Sanders has landed another big one. He added five-star cornerback Cormani McClain, the Lakeland, Florida player, flipped his verbal commitment from Miami to the Buffaloes. The 6'2", 165-pound McClain is read as the top high school cornerback in the nation. McClain visited the Boulder campus last weekend. As far as on the hardwood last night, uh, might the band might not play because they didn't win. They lost last night. Buffs lose their third straight. Well executed today. Nice job. Thank you. To lose to Washington 75-72 last night. Buffs are now 11-9. Washington improves to 12-8. Julian Hammond, the third, 18 points last night. 17 for Tristan De Silva. 11 points for K.J. Simpson. Buffaloes take on Washington State coming up this weekend. The uh, 23rd-ranked Colorado Mesa men's basketball team. They're at number 15, Fort Lewis, tonight. A team the Mavericks are looking up at in the RMAC standings. The Skyhawk men are 9-1 in the RMAC, a half game better 
than the 9-2 and two Mavericks. Skyhawks have the top offense in the conference. And the Armax leading scorer in Akil Cott. He's just one offensive weapon the Skyhawks employ. Mavs head coach Mike DeGeorge says their offense as a whole presents some unique problems. They're a little different than anybody else in the league. They can put four guards out there all very quick and shoot it at a high level from three and can put it on the floor and make plays for themselves and each other. That's a pretty unique skill set when you can do that. Maverick men and women at Fort Lewis tonight. Coverage starts at 5.15 with pregame. Women tip it at 5.30 minutes, 7.30 on the Team CMU Sports Network brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. After 45 years of coaching, former Colorado Mesa head football coach Russ Martin has announced his retirement. Martin went 56-32 and 32 in, his eight, in his eight seasons at CMU before parting ways with the university in 2019. From there, he went on to become the offensive coordinator at West Texas A&M. Martin announced on Twitter it's time to enjoy chasing the grandkids and celebrating family. We wish Russ and his wife Linda the very best in, in his retirement. Absolutely. The uh, nasty winter storm that swept across Colorado postponed the Colorado Mesa wrestling team's matches at Chadron State. The Mavericks matches at Northeastern Junior College in Sterling were canceled due to the storm. The Chadron State matches will be rescheduled for a later date. The Maverick men will be at home next Thursday against Adams State and Friday against New Mexico Highlands. The Maverick women's team is off until February 4th when they compete at the Grandview Open in Des Moines, Iowa. A busy Thursday night in prep wrestling as Fruit of Monument, Montrose, and Durango faced each other in a Southwestern League Triangular, the 5A uh, fourth-ranked uh, Wildcats defeated Montrose 58-12 and Durango 69-11. The Redhawks topped Durango 53-28. Palisade lost to North Fork 51-30 in girls basketball. Grand Junction lost to Basalt 37-17. The Tigers remain winless on the season. They are now 0-12. And that's... What's happening? Brought to you by ComWest. Just a reminder, once again, get a hold of ComWest today if you have issues with your phone system or cybersecurity, ComWest, 970-242-8142. We'll take a break and we'll come back. Buffs lose last night. Nuggets get port, get, excuse me, get in Indiana tonight. Avalanche or Vancouver, a busy night tonight uh, when it comes to uh, the Altitude products. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Text or call the show today. Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line, 970-242-1340. I'm the morning guy. I have a Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. 7.30, Jim along with Cake. And glad you played that to uh, honor the memory of uh, David Crosby. 81. That's a that's a good life for Mr. Crosby. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. The Birds. Incredible talent. Kind of a um, eccentric guy. A little bit. David Crosby. But a very talented guy. So our uh, our condolences to David Crosby and his or his family after his passing at the age of 81. Battled a... What, Fairly lengthy illness, if I remember what I saw yesterday, had been dealing with some some health issues for a while. Um, I I mean, I'll take your word for it. I, I had I, not heard anything. I believe that's what I saw that he was had some health problems, and that's that was um, something he'd been dealing with for a while. This was not a sudden, R- right? Sudden death on his part, so. Anyway, 731. 
So uh, Colorado Buffaloes last night, uh, they fall to uh, Washington by the score of 75-72. to 72. We talked with Mark Johnson yesterday. This was, this was an important game for Colorado. Yeah. In terms of getting back into the hunt as far as, you know, not necessarily trying to win a Pac-12 title because UCLA, it's going to be tough to beat UCLA. Right. But to enhance their opportunities of getting back to the NCAA men's basketball tournament. And, and look, the Buffs had lost at Washington earlier in the season, lost by 10 in that game. When we talked with Mark, the feeling was is that you know that was definitely a very winnable game for the Buffaloes out in Seattle, and that Colorado's definitely been a much different team at home at CEO Event Center. Mm-hmm. And so the thought was, okay, this is an opportunity with with a Washington team that's pretty, what's pretty much in the same spot in the standings as Colorado and Washington State coming in of of really enhancing their their opportunity of of getting to the NCAA tournament once again because the NCAA net rankings right now they're around a 60. That's pretty it's okay, it's not bad. Well, they have I think what six games now left including of course Washington State this weekend at home where Colorado has been much much better at home. Until last night. Yeah. Where they lose to Washington 75-72. Julian Hammond the third, 18 points. Tristan De Silva, who has had an incredible run at home, but then when they went on the road at USC UCLA, just kind of disappeared. He had 17 last night. KJ Simpson, who's been their go-to guy this season, 11 points last night. But a, a disappointing loss for Colorado. A, a loss that, that really, really hurts because they the the margin of error as far as losing at home was pretty slim and now that that razor thin yeah in in terms of what it looks like moving forward for them to get into the NCAA tournament not done not over but last night certainly hurt in a big way for Tad Boyle in Colorado and just to stress this point it's not so much that they lost which is bad it's that they lost at home they're supposedly strong you know strong suit a place where you are expected generally to perform better and win win games. They outscored Washington in the second half, I believe, 46-42 is what I saw. I could be wrong, but they got close. Washington had 22 turnovers. They had chances, and they just couldn't take advantage of the moment, you know, and, and that's something that, kind of falls a little bit on Tad Boyle a little bit. Oh, I think Tad has expressed his frustration with this team in that they they went through a, a, a series where stretch of games where they didn't defend well. Then they turned that around and then they started turning the ball over left and right like they did out in Los Angeles against USC and UCLA where they had too many turnovers, too many empty possessions. Right. I think they had something like 62 or 63 empty possessions where in those two games where they either they, they they turned it over, got a shot block, you know, whatever the case may be, that they didn't score points. And well, defensively they played pretty well against both USC and UCLA. And so last night, I mean they 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 tried to rally in that game, come up short. You know, you look at, you know, from the field they shot 43% they had a rough night from three-point range last night. Yeesh. 
It was an awful, abysmal night last night from three-point range. Those things came back to haunt them. So now uh, they'll have Washington State uh, coming up uh, this weekend, coming up on Sunday, 4 o'clock, over at the CU Events Center. So while the, the Buffs lose last night, Denver Nuggets, they have been on one heck of a roll. Yeah, they have. Nuggets take on the Indiana Pacers tonight. Nuggets at 32-13. and 13. And right now, Denver, they lead the Western Conference. Uh, they now they still have a half-game lead over the Memphis Grizzlies. And a 32-13. and 13. Right there with Boston, 34-12 and 12 for the best record in the NBA. So, the, the Nuggets with, uh, of course, saw the other night in the win against Minnesota come from behind win. Nikola Jokic, another triple-double, uh, back-to-back triple-doubles. Nuggets have won 15 straight at home. And he surpasses Alex English for the all-time assist lead in Nuggets history. Does it in 269 fewer games. Pretty darn impressive. That's really impressive. And um, some great quotes from Alex English. Fired off a tweet. Couldn't think of a better player to do it. This is actually the quote from that uh, Alex English uh, had to Sean Keeler, but he did fire off a tweet after Nikola Jokic surpassed him. But couldn't think of a better player to do it. I'm honored. Every record that I have there, he'll break. That's pretty high praise. He says he's going to be the all-time leading scorer. So it's it's not it's not if it's when. And so. He says, he'll just eclipse me eventually as the all-time leading scorer, but I don't mind when people break these records. It's like, that's awesome. Like LeBron James is looking to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's records. My all-time scoring record has been in place for a while. I think records are made to be broken, and that's something you have to prepare for. So every now and then, uh, on occasion, when I've sat in that chair while you've been on vacation or whatever, we've played the game Nicola versus the field, wherein we go through the numbers of Nikola Jokic and the rest of the field of candidates for potential MVP. And we're two for two so far. So here's some uh, some stats. Uh, well, so I'll, I'll ask the question. I'll give you a stat and you tell me, is Nikola leading in that category or the field? Okay, so we're talking about in the NBA. In the NBA. Okay. Uh, we'll start field goal percentage. I'm going to say field. That is Nikola Jokic. Oh, okay. 62%, 60, almost 63% field goal percentage, which leads all other candidates. The second best would be uh, 61, DeMontis Sabonis, I believe, from Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I should just say Nikola the rest of the way. <laughs> Not even pick well, the field. So there's a couple that oh, are okay. the field. Win, okay. Win-loss percentage. Hmm, win-loss percentage. His win-loss percentage as far as, I mean, the team's win-loss percentage? It Just his. Just his, okay. Um, hmm. This is, is this career right now? Right now, this season, uh, the I'll, number I'll of take, games I'll take played. Nicola. It's the field. Okay, well, geez. Okay. Jason Tatum has. Good thing I'm not putting money down on this. Jason Tatum is 73.9. Oh, okay. Uh, John Morant, 70 and a half, or actually, so Nicola's second with a 71% winning percentage. Uh, and lastly, 
odds-on probability, Nicola or the field, to win MVP this year? Nicola. It's Nicola. Yeah. 69.9%. Nicola. Nicola. Almost a 70% probability. This is according to basketballreference.com. 69.9% probability he wins. Not just MVP. This will be his third MVP in a row. (laughs) Just insane. So, Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets, they get the Pacers tonight. Indiana comes in 23-23, and 23, and uh, currently the Pacers are ninth in the Eastern Conference right now. And, excuse me, their tallest player mm-hmm. is 6'6", that they're putting on the floor right now. Hmm. <laughs> I mean... They're not a very big basketball team, particularly... Benedict Matherin is six six. Well, he's their biggest guy on the floor right now. Well, well, what's the what's the old cliche? It's not the size of the dog in the fight; it's the size of the fight in the dog. Yeah, but when when the Nuggets have bigger <laughs> dogs, better dogs, Aaron Gordon, and their dogs are in their home kennel, you gotta like the way this is shaping up. If you're if you're the Nuggets, it's, to, to uh, win another sixteen straight at home. Pacers right now, an even 500, 23 and 23, 8 and 14 on the road, though. And they've lost their last five. Pacers, they they, they try to be a good defensive team. They're, it's kind of one of their strengths. They try. But they're 25th in fouls per game. Not good. So Nuggets should be able to get to the foul line quite frequently in this one, you would think, tonight. However, that's assuming that the referees know what they're doing, which they didn't really seem like they knew what they were doing last time the Nuggets played. That's neither here nor there. Fair enough. Neither here nor there. (laughs) So I'm trying to see here if Michael Malone is going to be back tonight because... I haven't heard anything one way or the other. Coach Malone has been in the health and safety protocols and it's been David uh, Adelman whose dad Rick was the coach in Portland kind of interesting that David's win as a head coach first one as a head coach <laughs> turned out to be against the team his dad used to coach right so yeah I'm trying to see here if he's going I don't I think he might still be out tonight because I'm not seeing anything that that mentions whether or not he's he's back this evening. And I, I think the, the sort of no news is, not necessarily good news, but no news is he's not going to come back because I feel like we would have heard something. Probably so. So the Nuggets and the Pacers tonight over in Denver. Avalanche continue their road trip uh, north of the border. Looking at... Uh, Look, they've been sensational as of late. Seven goals against Ottawa, six against uh, Detroit on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And certainly their turn of Val Nachushkin has been a, a big plus for the Avalanche. His first game back was that Monday win against the Red Wings. And then, of course, they beat uh, Calgary the other night. Uh, Miko Rantanen, the fastest player to 30 goals in the season in franchise history, surpassing the great Joe Sackick by just one game. To get to 30 goals. How about that? So a couple of goals for uh, Miko Ratton the other night. And so the Avalanche right now, they've uh, won three straight. And so for Colorado, I mean, Ratton 
Just just been an incredible season for him. 31 goals, 56 points. Arturi Lekkanen, who had a couple of goals the other night as well. He's the Avalanche's second-leading scorer right now. 14 goals, 32 points. And uh, Georgiev stood on his head, 34. Uh, turned back 34 shots in that game the other night. Kale McCarr did not play, going back home to Calgary. So he set that one out. We'll see uh, if he ends up playing tonight against Vancouver. They're 18-23-3, and and they they picked up a win Sunday at the Carolina Hurricanes, but um, they failed to register consecutive victories after that win against uh, Carolina. So the Avalanche at Vancouver tonight, see if the Avs can keep this going. I'm starting to build some momentum at just the right time, starting to get some guys back. Gabriel Landeskog should be back in the next uh, few weeks. And all of a sudden you have both the Nuggets and the Avalanche kind of getting and going right now, particularly the Nuggets right now, winning 15 straight at home. I think there's something like 21-3 and three or some ridiculous number like it's that insane. at Ball Arena. All right, it is time right now for Soundcheck. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. We mentioned the Canucks, whom the Avs will play tonight. They played the Tampa Bay Lightning on Wednesday, and sometimes an audio clip just speaks for itself. Now a neat play by Cole to get the puck to Kalorn, and he backhands it down the ice. Is that you? No. No, no it wasn't. Uh. Is that you? It's the the sound, the pause, and the is that you that does it for me. It's 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 classic. Have you ever uh, broke wind on the air and anybody heard it? Has anybody heard it? That's one yeah. thing. Ha, ha, well, of course you have. We all have. I mean, come on, come on. You know. Well, and you know, we're human beings in an isolated th- booth too. It's you know, yeah, yeah. There's been some you know passing of the. Have you ever had a game where somebody has passed wind, and you went, oh. <laughs> I cannot recall. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. Okay, but I'm not gonna rule it out entirely. Okay, it's 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 probably happened too. It's it's probably happened. Silent but deadly. <laughs> Might even happen with me. I don't know. I don't know. It's entirely possible. As far as we know, those, no, nothing those, yet. Sometimes those chili dogs, you know, get some, get some things stirred up. Get the old tank stirred up down that's, there a little that's, bit. That's playing with fire right there. <laughs> All right, 746. Take a break. We'll come back with more. It's an Apache Friday. It's got it just wide open. It's whatever you want to talk about today. NFL playoffs this weekend. Divisional round starts at 2 tomorrow on the team. How about... Deion Sanders Coach gets, gets the top cornerback in the country, a five-star guy. Keeps bringing in the talent. Man, it's impressive. So, uh, got some thoughts on that. I mean, I guess right now, just I'm going to throw it out here. All right. How many games do the Buffs win this season? Oh, God, don't. The very early, early projection for Colorado Buffaloes football. Because oh, I mean the, the, the early stretch. I mean they've they've got they go to TCU. You're, you're reigning you're, national runner up, which does not have Max Duggan anymore. 
but will still be a test to go to TCU. And they got Nebraska at home, which should be much better under Matt Rule, you would think. Then they have Colorado State at home, the return of the Rocky Mountain Showdown. They, I think Jay Norvell's team in year two is going to be better. Yes. And then you go to Oregon. That's going to be. To open up Pac-12 play. And then not to be outdone, but your first Pac-12 home game is the USC Trojans. Yeah. No Caleb Williams, maybe? I thought that he said he was coming back, but don't hold me to that. But, yeah, it could be. Which, I mean, that's neither here nor there because, again, the point is it's still the Trojans. And Lincoln Riley has them trending in the right direction. Yeah. I do believe he plans on returning is what I saw. We, You know what? We'll stick a pin in it and we'll, ask, we'll answer the question, how many games do we think the Buffs will win right after this? Uh. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll come back 748. Jim along with Cake today. Text or call us. Check for breakfast team phone line 970-242-1340. They're a lot of fun. Oh. The Jim Davis Show. They're idiots. Say what? On Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with Cake today. The Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. 101 FM, 1340 AM here in the Valley. Good morning, Grand Valley. Good morning, North Fork and... Highway 50, 102.1 FM. Thanks for joining us. Or if you're listening online, mobile app, or just straight uh, from the faucet, right from the website, theteam1340.com. Or make sure you get your picks in for Pile Pigskin Pick'em, powered by Kistner Motors. We're still doing picks through the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. So keep that in mind. Uh, Caleb Williams, true freshman at Oklahoma, sophomore last year, eligible for the draft next year. Okay. So... Yes, he still has another year. Which, again, gets back to the point of it's going to be a dog trying to uh, get those early Pac-12 wins. Now, I will say this, because, you know, Coach Prime's going to have the the challenge of getting these guys to mesh, Right. He can bring in the five-star recruits. He can bring in the talent. He's got the transfer portal. He's got all of the, you know, the support staff. But it is ultimately going to mean diddly if you can't, you know, produce on the field. Clip from your guys' interview yesterday with Mark Johnson talking about the buff schedule. You're at TCU, then you come home, you've got Nebraska, then you've got CSU, and then those two back-to-back top-of-the-league conference games, Oregon and USC. There's no uh, grace period, shall we say, for Coach Prime. I'm certain he's not going to be complaining about that, but uh, that is a daunting start to the season. Well, something that certainly helps, though, is adding talent. Right. And so for the second year in a row, Deion Sanders has nabbed the top cornerback in the country with uh, this time five-star Cormani McLean, who's 6'2", 165, played at Lakeland, Florida High School. He was going to sign a letter of intent with Miami. That was back December 21st, but then said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And the feeling was is that 
he was interested in hearing for, from Deion Sanders and what well, the Buffs had to offer. Well, McLean visited the Boulder campus last weekend, and he flipped his commitment. So, you know, now you're looking at Hunter, you're looking at him, a couple of the, the best cornerbacks in the country, and uh, McLean said on a video posted by 247sports.com, I played DB, so Coach Prime, he's the best DB. I just want to be in the same shoes. Get coached by the best DB, why not? So now you got Hunter McLean, who you're going to hope can lock down some of those big-time receivers in the Pac-12. Like I said, it's, it shows once again the power that the Coach Prime has yeah. in being able to, to draw talent. I mean, McLean had 26 scholarship offers. Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas A&M. The big boys were going after him. And so it's not like that he's a kid that was had eh, a couple of Power 5 schools right. interested. No, he had some big names coming after him. And he's going to be at Colorado. All right, Hour 2 coming up next.